0: Welcome to Tim Stodd's FM, a place to share new ideas, speak freely, and continuously find ways to live our best
1: lives. And now your host, Tim Stoddart. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Tim Stodd's FM. My name is Tim Stoddart. Thank you so much for joining me. Fantastic episode lined up for you today. I had a great conversation and a sit down with my friend Veronica Amarante. Veronica is without a doubt the best social media expert that I've ever worked with. She manages a few of my brands at this current moment. She's an ace at Facebook advertising. She's just an ace at social media content development. And I truly enjoyed this conversation. It was a little bit different than usual because I didn't We just kind of hit record and let the conversation flow. Usually I feel more comfortable having like a few interview questions lined up and sticking to more of like an interview format, But Veronica and I have just been friends for so long and we're kind of on that level that we just hit the record button and we just recorded our conversation. So we obviously talked about social media and work and brand management, but we also talked about some of her experiences starting her new business. And we also went to some of her experiences in the L.A. music scene and working with David Bowie and working with Prince and. Uh, some hysterical stories about john mayer so i hope you enjoy those stories i know you're going to enjoy this episode and once again please help me welcome my friend veronica Amarante. after you listen to it uh-huh. on tape for a while yeah you get used to it and you realize that everybody's voice is just what it is and nobody actually hears your voice on tape yeah on playback the way that you hear it
0: like i think voicemail greetings are the word like i can't record like I, I probably have one, but it's probably been up there since like 1978. No, I just stick with the, uh, the person you are trying to locate. <laughs> <is> <laughs> I know, <laughs> is I know, I know. I like don't even know what mine sounds like or if I even have one. Let's talk about processes. That's like a really hot topic cool, right so now. So we're starting now yeah officially Perfect. oh do, do we do like an intro do you have no, like an intro I, I song or it. like no i can record it oh, okay. i don't know if you had like a little intro song <laughs> and like a little drum pad where you go psh, psh, i do have one of those psh, psh, yeah psh, but i put it in before so i th- i only say it's like a hot topic because i was just on the road with another creative and we were having that conversation and how he's pretty much like I think, like, everything is optimization, right? So, like, even within our businesses, you have to try to optimize your time, the processes, you know, that I think, like, right now, that's probably one of the things that I need to work on, you know, so I'm kind of, like, trying to find out what everybody's doing so I could just jack their processes and don't really have to think about
1: it. That is a great idea for people listening. um, What processes are you talking about? who are you yeah and, and what are you doing here? i want to
0: jack your processes to <laughs> just like share them i'm just kidding well i'm not but i am but yeah no i think that that's obviously really important i mean as you know i'm like new to this whole like running your own business kind of thing and just for the people listening you know i've been on the other side of the workforce for a really long time i did not want to go out on my own I felt like I wanted to just collect the check every two weeks, direct deposit. I didn't wanna hustle. I didn't wanna be like trying to figure out where my next check came from. And so that felt safe to me until the point where I felt that that was the least safest place to be. You know, so kind of the whole thinking and everything I believed in got flipped in its head. So, about three months ago, I started my own business again, reluctantly. I thought I was just probably going to slide into another position and keep it moving. I love the whole concept of like being able to make mistakes on somebody else's dime. That's also why I enjoyed, you know, working for a company because Mm -hmm. I never took risk, you know, spending my own money or my own resources aside from my time or my energy. Right. Right. So I love that whole concept of like, oh, I'm getting here to learn. And, and, you know. So it's it's comfortable
1: for you is what you're saying. Totally.
0: Totally comfortable. Totally safe. And so now, you know, again, reluctantly, I got put into a situation where it's like, okay, I need to eat. So I'm just going to have to, like, pick up projects. And. So far, it's been going really well. I haven't even, you know, finished. I need to write copy for my website. And it's probably, it always gets overlooked because now I'm busy with clients. So it's like the last thing I want to do by the time I have some time is to write copy for my site. So thankfully, you know, I've gotten enough business, you know, and I haven't even started marketing myself or my services. So that's good. And, you know, things definitely is like all about relationships and the reputation you build for yourself Um, So I'm really grateful that I had an opportunity to build that reputation, to have my work be known to other people in the industry. And, um, you know, and that's what's gotten me by, really. And that's what really made the transition a lot easier. You know, the fact that it's not like, you know, people didn't know who I was or, you know, I'm sure like obviously when I start marketing, some people won't know who I am, won't know my track record. And also one thing that I'm really bummed about is that I didn't collect all the data and all, um, you know, the benchmarks or milestones that I accomplished, you know, under those brands um, to kind of like have enough content to build, you know, case studies to put on my site. So now it's kind of having to scramble and figure out, you know, what show is your worth? Yeah. Like, what is the proof? Yeah. You know, how do I back it up? Like, mm-hmm. I know I'm an expert. You know, some people around me know I'm an expert in certain things. But again, what am I going to show the people that don't know me? So, you know, that's kind of and I think, you know, we could always talk about it. I can walk them through all the things that I've done. But I, I think there's huge value and also having that on a landing page or just your website, you know, to be able to back it up. I never want to be the all talk person,
1: you know? I totally agree. However, I I had more success approaching it the other way. I started off thinking that the relationships were more important mm-hmm. than the digital because I always felt like you can fake digital mm-hmm. to an extent, I guess. Yeah. But like your, your reputation through what people say about you always pierces through like the copy on a website totally. so i think that's probably why you've gotten off to such a good start because you've done such good work for the past i mean geez i don't know six years
0: yeah pretty and much
1: c- granted i know that feeling and it's uncomfortable to have like a perfectly polished brand set up on the w- online right to have your own kind of website yeah. up there that you can point people to I- i'm sure knowing you and your personality you probably really want to get that going but, but I want it to be perfect. Yeah, and yeah, but there's no such thing. Yeah,
0: I know. And so, like, I was thinking, and you know, I had a friend help me out that's willing to help me out. And he was like, "Oh, just do research and let me know what features you want." You know, blah blah blah. But I feel like at this point, I just need to throw up something, mm-hmm. and then it will evolve. You know, and I'll I'll Absolutely. keep changing it. So, you know, I really need to stop messing around. I was thinking of launching my brand this month, but I don't think that's going to happen. So Why now. Not? Because there is some fear. There's also the fear of overthinking it. And then, you know, I'll probably like write a sentence and, you know, judge it, you know, more than I
1: would if it were like another client. Oh, V. Oh, my God. It's so good to hear you say that. Why? Because if I do something for a client, I can look at it and be like, That shit's really That's solid, right? Yeah, like I would present that. I can be confident in doing this, but if I do it on my own website, (laughs) I I can't make up my mind. I've been messing around with the headline on the fold on the homepage of my personal website for fucking like Two and a half years. Totally. And I I can just never get it to actually say like what it is that I feel like is in my heart that I'm I'm trying to express, you know? Yeah.
0: I mean, just I and that goes down to even like a description of what I do, right? Like, yeah. And it's like I could tell you, you know, in a conversation, like, what do you do? I'm a social media and brand strategist. That's what I do. And now to write the description on a website. I'm still stuck on that step. Like if you were to see my to-do list, it's been like my to-do list since like November. (laughs) It's just been description and about page and Uh landing page. and, And it's also the pressure of like, if if you say this is what you do, and then you land on that website, like people are gonna like, it has to be the best, right? Because if you're offering to do that for clients, like, how can you be whack? You know what I mean? And so like, I feel like it has to be like, so good and like, close to perfect, because you get judged on the ability to put that together. So like, if my stuff is semi then how's a client gonna feel like i can achieve that i I can achieve something good you know or some results for them so again that is only serving me because i know to some extent this is all fake and stories i keep telling myself exactly and that are preventing me from like just doing shit so like i don't know when i'm gonna hit the point where i just like sit down and just say fuck it and do it and do it because Again, if you ask me about it, like, this evening, yeah, this evening would be a great time to do it. Am I going to do it? Probably not. Why not? Because I'm going to unpack, and, like, i rather, like, plan my week and wash my hair and, like do things that like have (laughs) nothing to do with my website, you know, and then and then I'll be like, yeah, that'll be a great task for this week and like put it on the to do list. It's that's what I struggle with, the moment to moment decision making, right? So I'll put it on my goal list for the week and then when the moment comes, I'll be like, no, I rather
1: do this. Yeah, but like you don't actually struggle with that. It's just this is the only case where you so what I'm seeing is it has nothing to do with Having the time to do it, it just has to do with like the fear and the uncertainty of what is gonna be after you do it, and then like having to live with that, right? But you already said it. The answer to it is just to chip away at it.
0: Yeah, it's actually not even you know the fear of like what's gonna come out of it. It's just like not wanting to spend that time doing that. You know, honestly, like just like when I have you know, and it's the moment that I say, oh, like I don't have nothing to do right now. I could be working on this. No, I don't want to work on that. And just kind of like, I think that's the only, it's also about control because Mm -hmm. that's the only brand that right now I can say, I don't feel like doing that right now. And I want to kind of like take the time off.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying too. It's just, thanks for like being vulnerable and sharing that because I assure you that you're not the only person that feels that way. But on that note, I have felt that way too because I work on my own personal website every day and out of all of the shit that I have going on, it's like the least important, but it's the one that takes up the most space in my head Mm. because it's like such a personal reflection and representation of me and like my ideas and my impact on the world. It's so difficult to define who you are at any given moment and then to actually put that out there for the world to see and stick with it that's my problem yeah my problem isn't necessarily taking the time to do it like i always want to do it my problem is after i do it i i second guess yeah i second guess it
0: yeah even like writing the about page and just kind of like thinking about my bio and like what images would i throw up there and it's like Mm. obviously i'll talk about like my career in the music business but like you know, is it too much to throw up the pictures with the artist, you know, is no it too way. much to like throw a picture with David Bowie? No. And it's like, obviously, that's like some sort of proof that it's like, I'm not just one more person. Like I actually, you know, did something cool at some point in my life. But like, even that gets second guessed. you know, even when you have something cool to share, even that is like, Oh, is it too much? People are people gonna be like, Oh, look at her like, trying she to Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's like, even that gets questioned. But well,
1: um, let me take a step back. I know from talking to you that this was sort of a, a pivot in your life in your career. So your your social media and your and your brand management work has been a pivot to what you did before. Because I know you spent a lot of time in the music business. I I know that people listening to this are going to want to hear a little bit more about you because you mentioned it and then you just kind of yeah, skated by it like it wasn't just, a big deal. Yeah. So uh, and. I've never really heard about that. Okay. How did you even, how do you even get involved in that? Was that like an ambition for you or did you just sort of land there?
0: No. Well, sort of a no. So I always knew. So I was like the kid that, you know, kind of got the whole thinking or a hunch feeling like I want to be someone when I grow up. Right. And so I went to high school in West Palm beach, Florida. And it was just so whack, you know, I wanted to get out of here. And so I thought I I wanted to go into fashion. And, you know, I went to like the community college, took all my um, electives, like sketching and like the history of polka dots like, that's actually not really a class I made that up, but you know, like just electives. And then I figured like, Hey, you know, I should probably move to New York because I'm not going to get like a cool internship here in Florida. So instead of like applying to college, like normal people and like waiting to get into a school to move to a city, Mm -hmm. I just moved Mm -hmm. and decided I would figure out the applying to school. So I wanted to go to FIT or Parsons. And so I just moved. You know, I had a job within a week, like at the local mall, and you know, got a job in retail. But then I always went to the village and went into the city, and you know, I started meeting people from the music industry. Like they were just, you know, party promoters that were handing out flyers in the street. This was like around oh my god, I'm gonna date myself and show how old I am. You were probably like in middle school. This was like '95, um, so people were just it's so different now but at that time people were in the street promoting their no, parties no, you mean. yeah and those people became with time we all kind of came up together and became you know executives or whatever but these were the people that were in the street so um i met i ended up meeting somebody at this point probably been in new york for like 6 7 months i was now living you know in brooklyn i you know had roommates and i ended up meeting this guy who was who worked for Motown Records, and he was like, "Oh, I need an intern," and you know, I said, "Okay, cool." And then once I saw that and I got in there, I said, "This is it. This is what I want to do. This is what I've been looking for." And it, you know, no one told me that you could have a career in the music business. You know, unless you're like an artist or whatever. Like, I just didn't imagine that that was a possibility. So it wasn't anything that I worked towards because I didn't know. You mm-hmm. know, you could do that. Um, And I didn't feel like I had any particular skill at that time to share. Um, So I started interning in the video production department. And then I remember this so clearly. Um, The assistant to the CEO said, well, you can't intern here. You're not a college student. So, you know, we need to like enroll you and have you be an intern through like Universal Music Group. And you're not even going to school. And I was like, fair point. That was on a Friday. I didn't know what I was going to do. So I went into this other guy's, Glenn Parrish, actually. He was in Heavy D and the Boys. Um, so Glenn, he was an A&R dude. And, you know, I went into his office and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, they just told me, like, I can't come back. You know, I'm done. Yeah. And then he was like, well, I need help doing my expenses. So why don't I just hire you as a temp? And, you know, you just do that for me. So that's what happened so monday i showed up you know to motown records and that same person came up to me they're like what are you doing here and i'm like oh i'm a temp so haha just so you know yeah exactly so that's how i fixed myself and then once you know i got that shot that was it it was a wrap like i ended up that that you know and i worked for free prior to that for a really long time Mm -hmm. and um and i say for a long time because once i got that official you know, internship at not official, but once I was interning, I did that for like about a month. Like, I didn't get busted like for like a month or two.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I was so broke, and even at one time, I was homeless. Like on paper, I used to sleep on a hallway and on a couch. It was like a love seat, so like my feet would stick out and. There were, like, fucking mice that I could see when I was sleeping there. But I just refused to come back to Florida empty-handed. Like, you know, even my best friend here in Florida said, you're not going to make it. And so that was just, like, more fuel. And I was like, there's just no way I am, like, letting people prove me wrong. Like, I refuse. I don't care what I go through. Mm -hmm. So, um there were always like these little instances and things that would happen that to this day bug me out. Yeah. Cause it's like, what is the point of like having access? Yeah. What is the point of having access to somebody like Ahmed Erdogan? Like what was them? What was I supposed to do with that opportunity? Or what does it mean? You know? And so like things like that would happen and and it was amazing. I, I think
1: it's tough to see it when it lines up directly. Yeah. Usually when things like that happen, the one opportunity somewhere Leads to something else that might lead to something else. And it's it's very difficult to put like a linear uh, causation behind like this experience happened to me so that I could get here. It's just sort of yeah the journey of it life. It's
0: just so crazy. And, you know, so I was probably at Atlantic for like two years. And then I went to... Loud Records. Now, Loud Records was a huge hip hop label. They're mm-hmm. the people who signed Wu Tang Clan, they signed Mob Deep, mm-hmm. um, Exhibit. So, this was it. You know, I had arrived as far as like hip hop was concerned. Mm-hmm. It was like a, you know, you'd made it in the music industry as an executive if you got offered a contract, right? And so, basically, you had your lawyer negotiate a deal with the label and it was an employment contract. Mm-hmm. And I wanted a contract so bad and this was a goal. And now I was about to turn twenty-five. And I wanted a contract before I turned twenty-five. So that's when I got to work with David Bowie. That's when I got to work with Steven Tyler and just John Mayer. Um and he who's an asshole. And I'm gonna say it on this podcast. I love that he's an asshole. Fucking hate him.
1: Oh my Um, god, but it's so great that he's an asshole. You ever see the interview? Where somebody asks him why he's an asshole. And he just says, because I'm a great guitar player and nobody cares. They all see me as like some pop star. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, like hysterical. I'm going
0: like, <laughs> to you this right now. And I'm just going to say it because you can't fire me, right? So you're an asshole. So like I made the I mistake. I knew that David Bowie was
1: super cool. Oh, and he Steven was Tyler. everything. Everyone says that he was such a nice guy. Such
0: a nice guy. So the funny thing is, is that guys like that, that have complete past to be an asshole were never assholes. They mm-hmm. were class acts, professional, whatever. It was the up and coming newly signed that were assholes, which totally backfires because you don't want to be an asshole to it the person. Fire on
1: John Mayer, though. Well... And he's like notoriously no. an asshole nationwide. No,
0: and like I it love didn't backfire right. um, on him at all. But like again, you know, you just don't want to be a jerk to the people who are responsible to getting your record played. Yeah. Like they're it's not going like go to go hard for you. Yeah.
1: Even worse consequences. Yeah, he
0: he was just an ad. Like he got me into so much. Tr- I mean, granted, I was a little bit inappropriate, but like, get over yourself. Like, I asked him if he was dating Heidi Klum, and like, because it was like in one of the like tr- fucking. <laughs> Gossip magazines. So I was like, dude, are you like and so like I like had to drive him around. So so part of my gig was like I had to drive the artist around. So we would land in a market like San Francisco, and it was my deal to like go get a car rental, come back, pick them up, and like drive them to whatever the itinerary. So you had was. to drive
1: him around after he got you in trouble? Yeah, before?
0: you know, and it's just like and that was a trip too, because it's like here you are driving on this highway and you have like millions of dollars yeah. worth of a person in your back seat. So mm-hmm. like if if you crash and like you're killing like an then icon, you're, you're like that yeah. guy that killed the icon. You Can you imagine? Right. Well, that <laughs> didn't happen. Like as far as like me driving him around, but like somebody like John Mayer, which yeah. now in hindsight, like I should have given him a scare at least or something. Something. Yeah. But no, David Bowie was amazing. And he was actually, I remember his man, we were doing a meet and greet for K-Rock. And I remember his manager came up to me and he's like, you can't. It's like, would you do me a favor? He's like the rules, so he would tell us like what the rules were with the artist. Everybody had different needs or things that they'd ask for. So with David Bowie, like I was told, the contest winners can't put their arm around him and like can't okay. touch him. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, how am I gonna tell these people who are meeting their idol not to touch him? It was just a weird thing, right? So of course, I did my job and went to them and l- listen. Don't put your arm around him. And like, I know it sounds a little weird, but just I was asked to tell you guys that the winners get led back to the area that we were in and they're like greeting them. And what do they do? They put their fucking arm around him. But, you know, I I didn't hear anything about that. They just like kind of let it go. And he was just awesome. He took pictures and, you know, with everybody, like he took pictures with me. And like he was just so graceful and like
1: amazing. What was the coolest, coolest experience you had. There's, like, the coolest person you met. I think you're... I remember you telling me Prince was up there. Or maybe he was the one that was a jerk.
0: No. One of them
1: you said that you really loved. Maybe it was Steven Tyler.
0: I think it was probably Bowie and Tyler. But, like, Prince was a trip. Like, when I met him... You know, he was really cool and we were at the House of Blues and every time he did an event at the House of Blues, he would take all the artists and like go into another room and like have a jam session. That's so cool. So cool, right? But he wouldn't let anybody else in. So like we were never just the artists and he wouldn't let us back in. So you felt like you were missing out on something amazing and, you know, whatever. But he, I just met him once. I didn't get to work with him.
1: But Um, that's cool that he would do that because for once it's not for you. Yeah. It's just for the musicians. Yeah,
0: it's all about the music and it's like a true artist. And I so miss that and I think a lot of people do. Like that artistry is just kind of gone. And, you know, he he was a true artist. And um, I don't know. Like it's really hard to think of like what was the coolest story. I mean, it was just cool to get to work with people that I'd listen to at some point because I did go through a lot and you know nobody handed me that and I had to make that opportunity happen for myself so it was just a trip to think like at my worst moments I would listen to this music and now here I am working with them you know and it's like wow how did this happen for me and I mean I know how it happened but it was that was trippy you know and I think that that was I didn't like go to college my family is like middle class like my mom couldn't afford to like send me to college like we weren't that well off but here I am like riding in private jets you know and then like living this amazing life that I it was just such a trip to me so I think you know instead of like being just one the coolest experience it's just overall the fact that I was able to take myself from having nothing to being like pretty much homeless in new york to like riding in private jets with these guys and but i earned my seat you know i was sure. really good at my job
1: yeah but you've always been that way yeah i've always i've never seen you ask for a handout but more importantly here's one thing that i've never seen from you i've never seen you throw blame on somebody else
0: no i own my shit yeah i think people should shit. people make mistakes we all do but i think there's something to be said about owning your shit And I think people respect that. And I know I certainly do from other people. And it's like, hey, you know, I fucked up.
1: And Okay. I'm glad you said that because when we were talking about your website earlier, there was a moment where I thought about chiming in. But uh, you said something and, and the moment passed. I think that when you keep talking about it being perfect, I personally believe that you're better off just being authentic about it. Yeah and just letting it evolve because you're never, you're never gonna get it right the first try. Yeah. So I think if you went home tonight and you pulled up your about page yeah. and you didn't try to paint this amazing picture on how you're like the greatest social media expert ever yeah. and you just actually explained everything that you just said to me, where you come from, where you got the experiences that you did, Why it meant a lot to you, and like why those experiences have made you the best social media slash brand expert that you could be. I think that that's way more of a selling tool than this polished, picture perfect presentation. Yeah. Almost.
0: No, you're right. You know, because they're not hiring me because of all these like little points that i'd meet by having like the perfect website i think they're hiring me for my experience and this goes back to that book i was telling you about before we started recording so the book is called when without pitching get a little closer to the mic uh when without pitching and that is like a book that you can read for free and it talks about the whole thing of like how creatives get hired for their expertise and for what they know not because of having the best website or having the best agency but Mm -hmm. um they really like are hiring your brain and so i just started reading that book um you can read it free online on their website and i it was just recommended to me by another creative and he was like you really need to listen to it like the book talks about there being a revolution that we all need to participate in of basically never submitting a proposal again and giving away your ideas for free. And that was a thing that I questioned a lot when I went out to start my own business. It's just like, how do you, like, especially when it comes to social, like, how do you say, like, uh, you know, how much content, how do you quantify it all? Like, you know, how much content you're going to produce and, like, what your packages are going to be and, like, how do you organize all of that? Especially since I've been doing it for employers and I never really kept track of like how long it took me to update the Facebook page that day. And so now I was put in a situation where I had to figure out how much time that would take and what I would charge someone. So, I mean, for me, it just worked out that the easiest way to do it is just to get put on some sort of retainer because I don't want to do it by hour because it's like sometimes, you know, you'll go up to a page and, you know, you'll you'll look at, you know, the analytics and then you'll start looking at posts or you'll start responding to something. Before you know it, you're spending more time there than um, you planned. But I love doing it, so yeah. I don't want to be... Tied up by like some dumb like structure that I set up, you know. So
1: yeah, I I see where he's coming from. I haven't read the book, by the way. However, I because I you don't do
0: proposals either.
1: Yeah, I do. But here's but do the thing: do you do a I'm pitch saying?
0: or do you just like proposals? I think so. Let me clear it up. I think. Because you do the whole like, this is what I'll do. This is how much it's going to cost. Do you consider that a proposal or do you consider like a deck saying? Like-
1: yeah, sort of. So I would never just give ideas away. So I see what he's getting at. I, I think I think, and I haven't read the book again, but I'm presuming that he is saying that what you don't want to do is tell them exactly what your plan is mm-hmm. because then you're sort of losing the leverage of being the expert. Like we mm-hmm. would say... This is how much it's going to cost, mm-hmm. and don't worry about it because we know what we're doing. Yeah. As opposed to saying, like, we're going to do this. I'm going to do exactly this much work. I'm going to do it in exactly this much of a time frame. But I, I do think that the paperwork is important because you need to put numbers on paper. Yeah. You know, like, I would never just say, I, I can't give you a proposal because that's not what I do. I think yeah. that that would be like super, super arrogant. I think that there's something about commitment that is important, especially when you're when you're talking business like that, about just this is how much it's gonna cost and these are the expectations that we have.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I was just having this conversation the other day. It's not the bad news is bad. Even if the client is paying you, if you give them bad news but you tell them exactly why it happened and the lesson learned from it, it's not a big deal. I agree. But what people don't have any patience for is getting blindsided
0: or not having answers
1: yeah exactly like the worst thing that they can possibly say is what am i paying you for and i think without some kind of a proposal that's a question that gets brought up a lot they need to know exactly what they're spending their money on
0: and so i think again like i probably read the first two sections so i'm in no way you know what was it called again when without pitching all right i think that it's more like i think you know, obviously the document, you know, that out that outlines what you're doing and how much it's gonna cost. I think he's all for that. I okay. think it's more of like the pitch deck. Yeah. Um prior to that. Yeah, we know? don't have pitch decks. Yeah, so I, I think that that's that. what he's saying. Like, don't, you know, let's not do that. Let's not, you know, compete in that way um with I, other with places. That.
1: We've we were very at Stadzi, we were very forthcoming about that about not being real over the top with powerpoint presentations and mm-hmm. not i don't even really put pictures on my proposals it's all just words it's yeah. just words and numbers it's about two pages i don't need to put up a giant presentation you know it's not mad men right yeah. how they would do they come in and pitch and like compete with other agencies yeah i don't so, do that
0: so basically like and when we were doing the pitch for that client not too long ago yeah. you know I was collaborating with you and then I was collaborating with Drew um over a slash and he basically both of your proposals looked the same you mm-hmm. know it was just one document you know and and whatever and then I put together like a freaking deck with like more ideas and things like that and I did give away ideas for free mm-hmm. but I also felt like I was competing with New York agencies so for those of you listening I you know, got referred to a client that was looking for someone and social media work. And, you know, the other people that they were talking to were New York agencies. And the reason why I came up is because the CEO had worked with me in another company and said, I know somebody who's great. And so I was the underdog. So I felt I had to like give away something to be able to have an edge with Mm -hmm. these agencies, but I never heard back. So I still don't know and I hate that. Like, we'll spend some time talking about that, like, because I need to vent about that. But, <laughs> Great. Um, but you know, I felt like I had to give away something. So, how do you sell without pitching
1: ideas? Just tell the truth. Here's the here's my concept of selling. Is that you're not going to do this? I can tell you exactly what to do, and you're not going to do it because I just don't think anybody works as hard as me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So maybe that's just. I don't want to say facade because that's like fake, right? But that's the energy that I bring, right? Where I can sit there and tell you exactly what you're going to do and just sort of be able to convey without speaking that like, look, I can tell you everything. You don't know how to do this. And even if you did, you're not going to. Yeah. So just pay me to do it because it's better. Yeah. But I think that comes with experience. I mean, it's not yeah. like we did it that way from the very beginning. I went through that whole thing as well. I We, got, we worked with uh, I... Outsourced some work to this company called SEO by the sea and uh, One of the guys that worked for them is a guy named Bill Slosky. He's like a real SEO genius he he Dissects all of the patents that Google does Mm -hmm. and like figures out why they would make that patent and writes these huge in-depth reports on what he thinks they're planning to do in the future because Mm -hmm. they're like patenting some intellectual property That's awesome. They I remember they sent us this crazy proposal and it looked so good and it had all these different pictures and uh Steph Maitner at the time was working here and she put this whole thing together and by the end of it I was so over it because I didn't even oh shit. I didn't even have a spot to uh to put the information that I wanted because <laughs> there were just pictures everywhere. Right. And maybe it's just my personality, it works yeah. for me. You know, I'm I'm a pretty Straight so, to the point kind of guy.
0: How do you differentiate yourself from other agencies in that process?
1: By being the best.
0: But I mean, prior to being hired, how do you communicate that to the to the client?
1: Well, what we we had a really unique selling point because we had we we paid very very close attention to service because our concept was that tech companies aren't good at service because mm-hmm. they kind of have like an ego behind them like how many developers have you ever met that get impatient when you start asking them like simple oh, yeah. english questions yeah. right because they know this fancy code language that somehow makes them like superior superior yeah, you know and yeah. like the hierarchy of tech right and there was a couple times where we would pitch stuff when i was just getting started and you could see the look on people's faces where you could tell you lost them. Yeah. So once we brought it back and like, we're just really patient with people and explaining to them exactly what is going on behind this, like this veil of the computer screen, they just really, really appreciated it. So even when we go into pitches, there's no reason to put some crazy proposal together because like, this is, this is what we're going to do. So what do do you pitch? Well, I pitch the results
0: so you say like i can do this
1: yeah and there's a there's a a top and a bottom to it because you can't guarantee anything right Right. but we've been doing it long enough that we know we have a pretty good idea of what to expect considering you know a budget and a time frame and competition and whatever the vertical is and all that
0: do you do like a brand audit and do you spend yeah. that time prior to being hired doing that? Because that's another thing that, you know, we've been discussing. It's like I can't even um, take the time to do a brand audit prior to being hired because that's yeah. time I could be using to service my other clients.
1: There's a limit for sure. Um, I'll take about a half hour. Okay. Write an email. But no, that's and all of this comes with time. You know, Stasi has been around for six years. Wow. And
0: congrats.
1: Yeah, That's thanks. Awesome. It's it's pretty amazing sometimes when I sit here and, you know, I'll go stand out right there and I'll look at everybody and I remember when it was just me and Brian. Yeah, I
0: remember that too. Yeah, That's now... That's
1: crazy. Now, three, six, so there's 12 wow. in here and then four or five contractors across Get the country.
0: Here. So you're like almost going on 20,
1: like... Yeah, but the we have contractors too. They're yeah, not but all I'm full-time. saying
0: like even contractors, like that's people you pay. So you have like this this like very yeah. robust ecosystem.
1: Yeah, and I just got uh, health insurance for everybody too.
0: No, you're like offering health insurance. Yeah, you want to see
1: it, and you know what? I'm I I didn't really do this whole thing, but I'll wanna say wanna it with see you. Health
0: insurance, like what are you see in Health, what are you going to show
1: me the card? Yeah, I'm going to show you the card. I, I mean, <laughs> remember, <laughs> I. I've, I've never had health insurance basically my whole life what yeah i mean i'm 30 years old i, I never you just
0: paid cash for like whatever you got done
1: yeah i mean i've never had jobs you know like I, the the rest of the country has a job for that safety net like you were talking yeah. about before and i'm just a terrible terrible employee
0: so what did you do
1: you I just hustled just and like suck it up not get hurt but I also just got super lucky. I mean, the amount that I work out and, you know, I've run probably like thousands uh, of miles. Okay.
0: So for those of you listening, I want you to know that like there's times that I really, really want to hate him. <laughs> so he's a dear friend. We've known each other for a few years. But if there's one thing I can complain about is the fact that this guy <laughs> is like naturally skinny. And like he goes to the gym every single day. Like I I can't motivate myself to go to the gym because again I consider myself lazy and I could like flatten my stomach but here's somebody like Tim who goes into the gym every day because it's a healthy thing to do. Not because he needs to lose weight because he has no weight to gain or lose but I just hate people like that. I'm not even kidding.
1: You know it's funny because there's a lot of times where I think to myself it would be nice to not have this hamster in my fucking head yeah spin it all the time like i would love to take a sunday and just sit on the couch and watch football but yeah but i don't even know if it's maybe it's guilt like i just kind of hate myself if i do that like i I just feel like i have more to give and it's also like an, an anxiety thing like if i don't burn out every day you know i I, yeah i i have issues with that
0: what do you mean so you have to get yourself to a point where you're just like burned out and exhausted to not be doing anything
1: oh yeah yeah so this morning i did the sauna i did 300 meters on the rower i did like a set of 20 push-ups and 40 sit-ups um 10 times and then i did deadlifts and um jefferson squats they're like these really weird squat so you put like the bar kind of in between your legs in this weird way <laughs> don't look at me like my that life. i don't know
0: i mean it's just yeah if you guys could see my face you see i'm like looking at him with like somewhat disgust and also like just shocked <laughs> that somebody would spend their sunday morning like that i mean not not me i'm i'm more of a lounger you know rather than um An active person,
1: and it it sharpens the blade seriously. Because if I don't 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 do that, then the then everything else kind of falls away. Yeah, I've gone through periods where, like, I mean, especially with the running, because I've had to lay off the running because my knees have started to get kind of jacked up. But I've gone through periods where I wouldn't get the cardio in, and it'd be like, you know what, I didn't, I didn't go for my run today, so I'm just gonna chill out. Like, I'll just take a chill, a rest day, and then you know, I don't send out my newsletter or I don't do that about page on my website. Yeah. So it, it really all stems from that. I mean, like you were saying, there's a lot of things that I'm not good at, but something that I, do I said that I, have. I didn't say that. no, no. What no. we were saying before <laughs> is, is the discipline, yeah. you know? So yeah. if I like audit myself, there's a ton of stuff that I, I wish I was better at.
0: Like what? I want to hear what you're not good at just so I can feel better about myself.
1: Um, focus i have a hard time yeah because
0: if you're disciplined how can you not be
1: focused because i just have this thing where i always want to move on to something else okay you know sometimes i wonder what my life would be like if i just stuck with one project okay and just put everything i yeah, have yeah i've it.
0: been in the middle of that process and i gotta tell you you move really fast like, yeah i remember moved where, quick. like what we were doing with new life and like one week you'd be like okay this is what we're doing and yeah. then the following week you're like okay it's gonna be this kind of brand and it's like, a flaw and i mean like every week like it almost like evolved into something else and mm-hmm. you were like past whatever we had discussed and over it's a it. flaw
1: for sure and
0: it also forces the people around you to like have to take action right then and there or you know you may get left behind
1: maybe but i think that's also kind of why i do it because if something's not working i don't stick with it yeah you know which i respect that you shouldn't it's just a I, i take it too far like i'm always willing to adjust but you know like i said sometimes i just it would be nice to be able to just have something and Mm -hmm. just feel comfortable yeah with just doing that one thing and i just i don't know why i can't do it there's just like i said that little fucking hamster in my head
0: well i think it's a great talent you know well
1: it's not a talent
0: i think it's a talent really yeah because who the fuck wants to do anything i mean again i'm just
1: like more of a lounger
0: like who wants to like do anything right like isn't the goal of life to be like laying by a pool like reading a magazine or like no so what
1: is the goal of life i don't know i I honestly don't think of it that hard but i do know that the thought of dying and like lying on my deathbed wishing to myself like i wish that i did that is like my biggest fear in the Mm. world that's it that's the only thing that really gets me i mean i'm i'm 31 and i'm still super super young but for a lot of people like i'm halfway there yeah right no you're doing great who's to say that come 60 some health ailment won't happen to me even though you know like i don't eat sugar and i work out all the time and i get my sleep and all that shit but i don't know life is
0: no that's that's so important you know like and you know we'll get into that in a sec but like disability and like having something happen to you and being like that's a thing. So that's why like I have disability and because I'm not
1: that special. Yeah. You know, like it could happen to anybody.
0: Yeah. I've seen people who've saved, you know, their entire they did everything right, 401k, you mm-hmm. know, they retired, they had their money and then they became disabled and lost everything they have saved for, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like such a sad thing to see because then you're at the point in your life where you can't go hustle and make it back. Yeah. You know? So if you're not covered, it, it's, I definitely don't want to be in that situation. I guess my biggest fear, on my deathbed would be like, did I get to chill? <laughs> <laughs> did I chill enough or did I like spend my whole time on earth obsessing? And, um, and judging, you know, like, sure. there's did a I balance. get to chill? You yeah, know, so, my
1: level's way up on here. So
0: I think like we have opposite fears, deathbed fears. Maybe. I mean, I mean, there's some things that like I don't want to regret not doing, like traveling more and like seeing a certain. 2015 was a big travel year for me. I mean, like travel international every year is a big travel year for me. But international travel and like being a tourist kind of thing. But since then, I haven't really, like, been out and about to, like, new countries. It's Even not that, your thing.
1: Oh, the travel is definitely my thing. Are you kidding me? I got all intentions That's to true. see the world.
0: You've gone uh, to, like, what, Ireland? Where else did you go?
1: I've been to Scotland a bunch of times because my family's there. Um, I've spent some time in Germany. Uh, mostly Europe. You know, I've never been to any you of the You should other do the places. Hacker
0: Paradise thing.
1: Yeah, but then the control, you know, I like, I like having my fingers, I, I like having my hands on, on everything. Got you. Got you know, you. if I'm in Europe, 12 in a 12 hour different time zone, and like my crew was working, when I'm sleeping, oh my god, what would happen is I would literally change my entire schedule. And I would sleep during the day and stay up all night. And then you know, I would turn it into one of those like ravers in Prague and the Czech Republic.
0: No, 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 it's fine because there's a lot of like coders and stuff. So like people have like a really random, anyway. you know, yeah. their own thing. And so, um, for those of you listening, Hacker Paradise is this great, um, co-working program. And what they do is they go from country to country, and you know, it's all like, um, tech professionals, and you know, they don't just let anybody in like you have to do an interview and then it's super cool and then so they really like curate the community and make sure that like it's a good fit for the group and then you know again they go um They do different continents. You know, they always have like a lineup of countries coming up. And so I had the opportunity to join them in 2015 in Barcelona. And I worked out of Barcelona for like about a month. So that was really neat to do because, um, you know, I was commuting every morning, going up to an office. They provide a working space. You know, it's usually like a co-working place in that country and so you're like a local almost and um you know but the requirement is that you have you know something to work on Mm -hmm. you know you're not there to like be on vacation um and you get to meet some really amazing people that's
1: probably the best part
0: yeah and it's like a community that just keeps you motivated
1: well on something to work on on that note i get out of here i gotta still set up this fire pit for our dinner tonight
0: oh that's cute yeah
1: i'm excited about that um you guys can come if you want you got somewhere no, to be
0: well i just want to go home like i just landed today yeah. from like new orleans and that whole la trip so i just kind of want to go home unpack cool. and chill
1: well <laughs> tell everybody uh where they can find you so they can find your amazing polished finished website well with your great about okay, page so like my day.
0: website if you go today it's probably going to be like a still under construction but um it's amarante communications.com i know it's like super long but
1: I'll link it in the footnotes. Thanks. The and
0: um and then on Twitter and Instagram, um Amarante Vero, which is V-E-R O, and uh Amarante spelled A M A R E N T E.
1: Cool. Thanks for coming here. This v. was so fun. Yeah, and you're gonna kill it, man.
0: I wanna do it again. Anytime. Is it like obnoxious if I like try to invite myself no. all the time? Uh,
1: maybe, but <laughs> the great thing about the internet is it doesn't matter because it's my podcast yeah so i can basically do if you want to come here once a month twice a month i don't care Awesome. yeah we can do whatever you want i mean i'm gonna have the whole thing set up because that screen works the problem is like I need to put it on a different channel. Dude, you
0: should live stream it so like people could see us and like we should take questions. Is that that weird though? Because like you can't tell when people are online like taking questions.
1: Yeah, I can. You can do it through YouTube Live and Facebook Live. It's just a bunch of different technology. You know, like I would have to have a camera here and a camera there and then I would have to put it through this program that I, I just put on my laptop. Um, so like I can totally do it. The only reason why I haven't is just because then I would have to take it down after I'm done because you know, this is my office Yeah. I got clients and shit coming in here. Yeah. So, but yeah, come back anytime V. I'm glad that you came through.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Sure. All right, guys. I appreciate you listening as always. I really appreciate and respect the emails that you send and all the well wishes that I've gotten from you guys. Thank you for the emails. Yeah, I've had people email me saying like, "Hey, I listen to your podcast. That's you super fans? cool. I do have a oh fan. My That's God. how I met my fiance.
0: A- wait, what? <laughs> yeah. No, wait, you have to tell me the story. We're going into <laughs> overtime and everything. I know you want to be done, but you have to. Tell no, me it's, the it's story. not that.
1: I I, I want to be done. We're fine. I got another five minutes. So, she's the person to tell you the story. But basically, she was like a fan. She saw the video. How did she find did. you? She's, well, it was weird because she friend requested me like three years two years before she had messaged me. Okay. And, um, so I, I don't know somebody, a friend for a friend. you know how Facebook says like, you yeah. might know this person yeah. we were guessing. It was probably one of those things just through all the vlogs that I used to do when I was doing the vlogging style a lot more. And I was like spending a lot more time on the editing and shit like that. She saw the video I did with Apollo, that awful puppy that I had for a while. I don't remember him. Oh, he was the worst. But anyway, I, I just was making some cool videos and, uh, on uh, uh, March 4th, it was, she just sent me a message like, hey, look, I just want to say I watched your video, so I think it's real cool, and then we just kind of kept chatting, and then, you know. That's awesome. I had to make moves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had to put Boston. a ring on it. Yeah, she was in Boston so saw I- I flew her down here and then I flew up there and we kind of did that shit for a couple months and then
0: so you found love in a hopeless place yeah sure did on Facebook
1: <laughs> the most hopeless place that there is
0: <laughs> on the planet yes the <laughs> oh most my gosh
1: relenting hate yourself place that has <laughs> ever existed <laughs> that is such a great story where you can compare story. yourself to everybody else and they right. can all convince you why you're not doing well in life
0: yeah yeah <laughs> pretty much that's a whole another podcast I episode know.
1: we'll get on that one next time yeah
0: yeah and then next time we also need to complain about people not getting back to you after you like spend your time entertaining them as that, like a possible client oh yeah i just think it's obnoxious just i just nah, think you it's gotta get over that
1: all right guys i uh <laughs> i appreciate all the well words thank you so much um for your time and for listening and i'll talk to you next week
0: peace, peace.